Headliner Radio, the creative voice. All right, Chris Carmouche, big warm welcome to Headliner Radio. How are you today? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. So you're in Atlanta, right? How are things out in Atlanta? Atlanta's good, man. It's not, I mean, aside from the traffic and everything, I mean, it's um, it's going great. Music-wise, it's going really well. There's a lot of great acts that's always coming out of this area. And, I mean, the city itself just doesn't seem to uh, stop growing. You know, it's always expanding in, in every industry, from music, now movies and everything. So, it's a big, big Amazing. full of different, all kind of energy. No, amazing. Um, I'm just give you the full intro as a, you know, producer, engineer, mix engineer. Um, I'd love to hear how you, a bit about you growing up and did you get into music as a young guy? And um, I remember in particular with engineering, when did you start getting interested in that? Well, yeah, I uh, grew up in Louisiana, a uh, small town, Sunset, which was about 140 miles west of uh, New Orleans, like Creole Cajun country and all um, like Lafayette, uh, Louisiana is like the main, I guess, big city. But I always mm -hmm. had a, a love for music. I was somehow, I guess, the only one in my family that actually, like, I guess, really had a, a passion for 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 music. Like this, I can, I had other aspirations, but for some reason, music just always stuck, and just was in the band all four years in high school. Was drum major. My wanted to have a keyboard my brother older brother he had uh showed me this asr 10 and my mom was like well the only way i'll buy it for you if you, mm -hmm. you know, learn piano so i started learning piano got classically trained she bought me the asr 10 this was back in like 94 or so so i'm like in high school and when i wanted to pursue music i came from an education background and so I only, my parents was like, you're going to college. And so I figured, well, if I'm going to, the only way I can get into the music, I'm just going to go the education route. So mm. I thought about New York or L.A., but I was like, it felt like it was so, so, it was so saturated. I felt like I wouldn't be able to have a real opportunity. And Atlanta was just coming up in the scene. You know, they were starting mm -hmm. having the face records and all this, so, so deaf. And so music was come pumping out of there. So I figured, why not try Atlanta? My older sister had already been living there for some years. I coordinated with her and my older brother, strategized a way to get over there, went to Georgia State, and got a uh, pursuit their music program. And had to enter it with in piano and such and they had a recording division which is uh what i uh pretty much uh focused my uh, degree in yeah yeah and just went through an internship program on my last year of school with stankonia studios outcast studio in uh 2001 and interned my whole last year there and at another studio I got burnt out during two studios in my last year of school. And so my brother was like, pick one. And mm -hmm. he helped me pick Stankonia. So right after I graduated, I only had about a month <laughs> to get some kind of job. 
<laughs> so, right. right after I graduated in December, January, January of 2003, I started assisting. And my first assistant gig was uh, the song Prototype uh, from Outkast on their Speaker Box Love Below album. So I just quickly evolved from just assistant to recording engineer, all within that process of that album. Yeah, I so saw you have a very long-term working relationship with Big Boy and, and you've worked with Outkast yeah. as well. So, so you're just telling me now that was from a very young age, well, almost in yeah. college it sounds like, you got to meet them, and so that must have been really fortuitous and amazing thing for you. And oh, yeah, that turned into a long-term thing with Big Boy, that's amazing. Right, it was, I mean, it was very surreal, you know, because obviously by that time they had just finished... Uh, that had many success with Stankonia and they had done the whole world. So right in between that gap, they were just coming out with, you know, both working on pieces of their, uh, of, of what became Speaker Box of Love Below. And it was just amazing just to kind of like hear all these people, you know, start seeing them, start seeing like the organized noise, our uh, are Sleepy Brown and, uh, and seeing, you know, Andre meeting Big Boy, knowing them, you know, firsthand, and and actually it was it was a. I remember on the first assistant session, there's a song, and I said prototype, but I meant to say um, uh, she lives in my lap was the first song because there was a section mm-hmm. as where Andre plays the guitar at the very end, and it goes da 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 da. da. When he was playing one of the notes, it was kind of flat on one of the one of the parts. And I'm sitting in the control room with the engineer, John Fry, and I'm telling John, I'm like, I think he's flat on one part, but I'm too nervous to even tell. Yeah, yeah. Because this is my first. I'm, I'm, and John was like, tell him. <laughs> and so <laughs> he hit the talk back, and I just told, hey, Dre, I think that one note, I think it's flat. You go up, and that made me nervous as shit but Andre I mean he was he checked it out he he was open to it he was like oh okay yeah you're right thanks and from that point it kind of relaxed me to you know be more a part of the session and you know have this um, this organic you know intuitive type of approach to everything and um, yeah I was really surprised of the outcome of that project I Worked a little bit more on Dre's side than Big, but uh, the songs I did record with Big were on Roses and Tomb of the Boom uh, on his side. And I think throughout those sessions, Big and I started to have a really good relationship with each other. Um, uh, he, He was writing a lot more. Uh, rapping and it seemed like he just had this uh he had like a lot of gas in the tank he just wanted to mm-hmm. like kind of keep you know moving forward so i was in he had his purple ribbon label that he had developed and so as they were finishing speaker box of love below he was i guess already moving into the next project and um i was just able to stay on that ship with everything they were doing and also following the success of Speaker Box of Love Below. And on the same side of it, 
Lil John comes in the studio as well on the other side with his BME camp and he started having a factory of putting out music so between his BME camp and Big Boy's Purple Ribbon label I sort of started to um, get into this um, I started developing a formula of, of making records and I had myself was always an aspiring producer and I actually as an intern <laughs> snuck in during the in mm. off hours and made my own album which and I had all <laughs> everyone that was on the speaker box project Killer Mike everybody I never released it but it was just it was a project that just ended up having all the musicians and everything so by the time I started doing everything professionally working with John and working with Big Boy in his camp from a producer mindset, I sort of anticipated what was needed in the session and was able, from an engineering side, to be quick on the draw with, uh, you know, mm -hmm. what, they, what they need before they really ask for it. And that just kept both of them sort of work like a factory. That moment with Andreas, quite amazing to me, because I feel like that could have gone a, a whole different way, like maybe... If it had been another artist with a bigger ego, they might have been like, how dare this assistant tell me I'm flat, get him out of the studio right now. Right, but actually it sounds like it turned out that he was really appreciated your honesty telling him he was flat. And maybe some interns might have um, just stayed silent and then later on he hears it, he's like, oh, why didn't anyone tell me I was flat? Right. So, yeah, it could have gone two ways, but it's, it's so nice that it turned out so nicely for you. No, exactly, exactly. And I, I think... I. One of the things that, that I pretty much learned is the way you walk into a room, because a lot of times, sometimes it's, your skill set can go a long way, but it's more or less like your vibe that you give, I think. Mm. And I think I, I was giving an honest vibe, but not being, you know, pretentious, you know, cocky or anything about it or mm -hmm. arrogant. And, and Dre, this, his, yeah, his demeanor, like he... He's such a sponge. Like he can, he's he listens. You know he he can. You know obviously. You know he he delivers like this ridiculous like production and and definitely his artistry as you know as yeah. a rapper is just unbelievable. But I think it also comes from a, a place of like being still and listen to outside and in knowing what to take in and. And spit out and so I, I I think it was just something that you know the energy just it was something that just something just came through me to say it and and you know and he and he listened and I didn't know if it was going to stay on the record but you know it always gives me a little smile when I hear it back you know to, to think I remember exactly how all that went yeah no, that's incredible um so with with Big Boy, what's it like having gone from being like a brand new intern to um, all these years later you still work together? Um, I guess there's obviously a huge mutual respect now, but um, I guess you've literally been on a massive journey with you as an engineer and him as a artist. That must be I can't I just can't imagine what that would be like. So I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, I mean, biggest. I mean, he's. I mean, he's. He's super funny, you know, he's very witty, he's very, um, you know, he, he, he has a, 
you know, great business sense about himself as well. Mm. And, and like myself, it's like, I guess he just has an amazing endurance in which I think at the time I had, it's like, I was just, just nonstop. And so he would have, he has had a loft, you know, on top of the studio where he would stay at night and he would just stay up there then come down and record. And I, I was myself was a studio rat. I think we all, you know, the core of us were all studio rats. So we just constantly stayed in the studio together and just talking about just all kind of subjects. And because both of us like constantly worked on our craft when we were in the studio, we wouldn't necessarily be talking about how to piece something necessarily together. We'll just kind of be talking about just random things and just from those, this random conversations, once it's either time to hit record or something that we just snap right back into it, hit record, do something, mm. do this. And we got to a point where him and I used to <laughs> say, we used to, we developed like this Jedi t- uh, telepathy type of relationship. Yeah. We just wouldn't necessarily have to always talk about, what things need to be done we would just kind of already know like hey let's try this and try that and that was the other thing too with both of them with being so creative he allowed me to try things and that was something um that was um fulfilling so like it, it, like i had he, it was like an idea of something that i had he, he'll he'll wait and and see what what i do it could take forever and then all of a sudden doesn't work and then you know we at least tried it you know and i think that's mm. what you know like our, our musical relationship and then you know mm-hmm. into a brotherhood you know and we're real close with each other's family and, and such and i think that was kind of like the with all of us in in, in that collective with, with the dungeon family it really had this family type of um uh, setting where you know they were in a sense my older brothers even though he <laughs> jokes that I it seemed like at times I'm probably the oldest one but mm-hmm. uh, I was kind of the youngest one out of them and with Big I think he like when he brought in folks like Killer Mike and Janelle Monet and, and Scar and all these uh, different artists it he had like his palette it was, it was like it was ginormous so it's like we went through all sorts of styles of music and nothing was off the table i mean like we we incorporated everything from guitars to live drums to drum programming to bass keyboards Nothing was, we didn't believe in really sampling a lot of stuff. We might have had a lot of inspiration from music and stuff that we listened to, but we brought in so many um, musicians and just crafting the records that kind of created something like um, very unique. It took a lot of time at times, like in Big Side, he would, we could work on a project for, you know, Nick pick on something for yeah. a while. But it was, I think the results, you know, they, they, they came out pretty, pretty well. No, amazing. Um, before we get into the tech stuff, clearly working with Big Boy is one of the absolute highlights of uh, your career. But 
What, what are some other like really fun memories for you? Because you've worked with Beyonce, obviously, <laughs> clearly one of the biggest artists on the planet. You know, CeeLo Green and some UK artists like Tiny Temper, Alina George. Shout outs to them yeah. as well. So, yeah, what I guess what springs to mind when you look back over your career, what are some of the fondest memories you have? Um, I, I know, like, a lot of the records, I, I guess, um, I mean, yeah, there's so many of them. A lot of times when you work on songs, you don't know what they're going to do, for one. Like, you you can't, I can never call out. I remember a time, like, I didn't know what, I didn't, I was so into Speaker Box of Love Below, I couldn't tell, I didn't know it was going to be what it was going to be, as as big as it was Mm going to be. I didn't know Roses or Prototype, I didn't know any of those songs. Hey, I didn't even know. So that was one of the fun things. Working with CeeLo, as an assistant, they're such characters, so it's like the person you hear from him, like the that big bravado, he's lo- kind of loud, and then it's like it's it, it. It was just so much energy, but like so. But once he get on the mic, it was just like magic would just happen, and and th- those things kind of always amazed me, especially with the artists back then who they were so, their craft was already so refined that. You, you would just get something amazing like E40 we did like it, we did in three weeks we did his album my ghetto report card with Lil John mm-hmm. and everyone and we that's the record he uh, had tell me when to go and that we did that song at like four o'clock in the morning and it came out of nowhere with uh, the artist Keith the Sneak just coming out the door and say hey I got an idea for a hook and he started mm-hmm. saying tell me when to go tell me when to go and I just got out of my seat looked at John and John just started tapping on the drum machine. And I'm just like looking at John and just like giving the head nod, like, oh, that's jamming. Oh, that's jamming. And they just like within two hours, they did the record in three hours. And, and <laughs> that became like a big record on the West Coast. Um, Bubble mm-hmm. Butt with uh, Major Laser with um, <laughs> it was fun uh, meeting Diplo. He came to the studio and we were mixing it. And. A lot of the stuff that I know with people when they come to me mix, I, I have a way of crafting sounds and, and edits and doing all those stuff. So him and I came in the studio. It was my first time meeting him. And from that song, we had a great relationship. And that led into Tiny Temper, the records that um, that I mixed for him. And Diplo, he was a cool cat, like always witty, always has something like and a great memory. Like he could remember a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of things and. I didn't know what was to think of Bubba, but I just knew I just heard, and this was before I think Bruno Mars was really, really big, 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 and um, and it was just kind of a funny record to me. And then they ended up being uh, their first uh, top one hundred record, and that was that was pretty cool. Aluna George, both of them were great. I talked to them mostly through. Um, by that time, I was. I think every the industry mostly became more satellite. I wasn't really interacting uh, in person. I had um, was talking with them mostly over the over the phone or um, in such emails. But it was just a touch. That was a great record. The video was definitely awesome. I love their production and hearing their vocals. And mm-hmm. I think for me, one of the things that I feel good that a lot of the records that I've been a part of was kind of like the the 
the not, not somewhat the nucleus, the beginning of like these artists, like career, like that. They're, they're when everything really started to get um, pretty big. I remember recording um, "You Don't Know Me" by Ti. It was one. It was right. one, of the, one of the records that came, and I remember he was going through his verses, and I started kind of coaching him a little bit of like, "Hey, all right, stop right here, record." All right, that's it was punching in and out and doing that, and then we did the cleans, and when after we did the, the cleans, I had a habit of deleting everything that I wasn't using. By mistake, when it came time to mix, all his cleans were deleted, and I was yeah. sweating, and I was like, "Holy crap! I think uh, they're gonna kill me." And I just told the engineer, "I was like, hey man, like let me uh, let me just." Can I, I'm just going to take the, the gear and go to wherever he is, and I'm just going to just record it. And so they coordinated, and I went to T.I.'s place at the time, and I said, hey, man. And he I don't think he really knew why I was coming. And I was like, hey, um, I deleted your cleans. <laughs> Can you <laughs> And I thought he was going to trip out, but actually he was super cool about it. We went mm -hmm. in and knocked out the clean version because back then, they, we always, you know, for radio, we always punched in with cleans. Nowadays, I don't even think people care about um, having a clean version of a song or, or at least mm -hmm. rapping or singing it or whatever. But that that part was funny. And But again, that was a record that came out pretty well. And I was uh, real happy about that one. Um, let me see. Um, I don't know. Yeah, this... Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, there's so. I mean, so many of them. Yeah. It's kind of hard to kind of pick out this one. No, of course. Um, and I, I hope this isn't a super cliche question. You get sick of being asked, but um, do you meet many younger engineers? And do you um, have kind of nuggets of advice you tend to give them who want to have like a really healthy long-term career, like someone like yourself? Is that? Uh, I remember somebody told me a little bit later, like. I, I think one you can't be too hung up on like you want to be very proud of your achievement but I remember somebody told me years later after I told him I, I was a part of winning you know album of the year for outcast and I told the guy I don't know why I told him to, uh, I was like man look man you see that Grammy I have man that don't mean shit uh, I mean like because nobody cares about that they just want to know what you can provide for them at this moment and then you can make sure and that you that you can be available and, and take care of what they need to take care of. And I kind of didn't think anything of it, but then years later, almost almost 10 years or so later, this guy came back to me and he remembered what I said that, you know, like, and I thought about it and I was like, oh, it, it, it affected, you know, it touched him in, in a positive manner. Like this, like it's great for the things that you've accomplished and you want to reach for those goals. But I think that you always have to, focus on kind of being in the moment and mm -hmm. knowing how to read a room because that's one of the, the things that I, I mainly try to do as a, as an engineer because you, you somebody played their therapist in many respects you're, you're, you're the you're the person that they probably talk to sometimes you're the one that they confide in and you always want to develop your skills and but you know you you not necessarily do that on their time like you on your time you you just you constantly just picking up uh, tidbits of information and stuff like you know whatever from technical things and, and, and such but then when it gets time to hit record 
you're you're a part of that vibe. You want to be able, like I, you know, try to just capture everything, you know, yeah. in the moment. Like, they, I might hit record and nothing, and they don't know, you know, um, and you, you'll catch something that 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 wasn't there. So, you know, for other engineers and even people from aspiring producers and such, is you know, you want to be present and just be a part of the moment and and. And as much as you know or you, you think, like, there's always room for more. Like, I don't always, I don't like necessarily walking in being the smartest person in the room. I mm-hmm. like to feed off of other people, you know, and get get their energy, you know, and learn from them. Like, I, I like, yeah. feeling like when I leave the room, I've learned something more, you know, so. No, 100%. That's amazing advice. Um, and then talk about your career. How long... How long would you say Waves plugins have been part of your career? Have you been using them for a long time and they're quite a big part of your work, would you say? Or? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because as far as back as when I interned, like our school, it had some, we didn't have, uh, I learned Pro Tools and a lot of the digital stuff once I got um, to Stankonia, actually, and, and also this other, this other studio I was at. And at that time, we had one foot in analog and the other foot in the digital world. We were literally at that time transferring uh, 24 tracks reels into Pro Tools sessions. And as an intern in 01, this is way back in yeah, 01, 02, that's when I started getting introduced into Waves plugins. And, you know, from then, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I, I just loved everything. I, like, I, like, I felt like you wouldn't necessarily have I already knew that digital was where everyone was going even though it, and I felt like Waves plugins was like this you know at the top of the food chain of, of, of plugins to, to, to use so I had it this you know on everything I, um, drums vocals guitars mm-hmm. bass you know using this many of the plugins I used still today you know the, the, all the, the compressors, the EQs, um, the limiter, you know, uh, the doubler effects, you know, like I, I, I've, I was using it all through um, into my internship and into working with um, Cass and Lil John and Ti Akon and all those projects. I've mm-hmm. always been a big part of everything that I work on. Yeah, I mean, which Waze plugins tend to be on most of your projects? Like, I guess your kind of go-to ones, would you say? Or even, like, your favorite ones, yeah. Which ones do you I tend mean, to use the I most? Mean, well, I, yeah, it's like, I starting from everything that... Um, starting from everything, like, the like the L1, L2, I've all... That's like, like, the, 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 the DSer, that's kind of like... The SR, the C4, C6, that's always kind of been in my 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 vocal chain. Um, the 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 C1 comp, I use I use that a lot. Uh, the, the 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 gate as well. I, I that's kind of like been like on all my my um, on all my like a lot of my vocal chains um, and. Recently, when I worked on Baby Rose's album, the artist, um, her album called To Myself, we used a bunch of 
uh, Waves plugins almost like on everything. We was using everything from the, the J37, uh, the tape machine was kind of like getting like little grimy, little dirty sounds out of it. The uh, mm-hmm. um, I was using a lot of the Manny Mariquin, uh plugins and I love Michael Brar's, uh his um, what uh, the motion uh um, I was actually working with Michael Brar on one of the records from Big Boy on um, song Mike Jack. We mixed a, a record together, and we was using a lot of <laughs> his plug-in settings um, on, on that particular song. Um, and yeah, the brow motion. Um, mm-hmm. That and I think um, R compress. I used the crap out of that. Uh, I use. Um, our base, I, I, that was, I mean, I used to, just, you know, coming in Atlanta, we, I mean, I was using that all the time on records. Um, let me see. Mm, the, 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 the SSL channel, I used that a lot, especially as we was, especially in the earlier days when we was moving away from actually using the SSL console at the studio, the, the 4,000, we had a 4,000. Uh, uh, at Stankonia and I would use the Waves version all the time and their compressor as well um, Chris Loragi version mm-hmm. I find myself using and a few of the ones recent that I did presets for um, Cosmos and um, I used the studio rack a few times. <laughs> I put like a, f- a few settings and just like punched that into, you know, some stuff when I just didn't, you know, just just put that on vocal. This one, this one's kind of just or a bass setting that I had. Um, yeah. But yeah, this like it's, it's pretty flooded with a lot of uh, the Crammer tape. Oh, the Crammer tape, yeah, the Crammer Pie, I used that like Damn the, the cramble pie. It, that, I use that all the time. Um, I think it's called cramble pie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, amazing. That's well. Thanks so much. For that. That's great, especially for younger producers who, I'm sure, look at producers like you and wonder what you are using. But um, yeah, well, thanks so much, Chris. And um, how I guess coming to the end of the year now. So how's the end of the year going into next year? Looking any projects you're really excited to be working on at the moment? Yeah. Well, yeah, I've actually, I'm starting on new records with uh, for Biggs. Uh, he has an upcoming project he's doing after he finished his uh, big sleepover. Um, we're working on records now. Started working on records, did a few records with uh, Isaac from uh, with Modest Mouse. Not sure what when that will come out. Um, working with... Uh, also, Simon O'Connor, with who's with Modest Mouse, we were working on some records, and I've also been lately going back and forth between here and Louisiana, sort of, kind of, cult, trying to cultivate kind of like uh, that that region that I'm from. Working out of a studio over there, uh, Dream Studios, we mm-hmm. started to, I started to kind of get involved with a lot of the the local acts there, and and kind of like just to get some more ideas, something fresh. Um, out, you know, out of from that region, and also kind of tapping into a couple of the artists here in in Atlanta, um, Charlie Miles and, mm-hmm. and Dreamer, and things like that. We've kind of just started tapping into some of the, some of the local acts here. So 
so a little bit both regions. I kind of been wanting to kind of go a little locally lately, you know. Regional. Yeah, for sure. So, so that's kind of like some of the things. No, that's incredible. And then I always love to ask if someone met you for the first time and said, "Well, oh, hey, what should I listen to that you've worked on?" I'm guessing you're probably going to say something by Outcast or Big Boy, but I don't know what's right. like the first album or project that comes to mind. Well, right. I mean, I guess Sir Lucius Love with Big is probably like a good representation, like of me, like literally doing covering every aspect of everything a full body of work mm. and i mean and and moving forward to my uh baby rose to myself i i, I really uh i mixed that album and i really i feel really good uh what what how that record turned out and what it's done for her career um and yeah a little yeah the little little spurts like uh tell me when to go and um, bubble butt, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So, so yeah, between those, and of course, roses from Outcast. But yeah, no, amazing. And then, how's today looking? Are you getting to relax much, or is it a heavy working day in the studio? I'm sorry. How's how's today looking? Are you is it a heavy working day, or are you getting to relax much today? Or? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Now I'm I'm doing some work. I'm finishing up a mix for. Um, Mixed well for this uh, artist Joy. That's part of the mm -hmm. family. working on a project with her, uh, doing a couple of songs, mixing, and this is going to be some relaxing. But yeah, doing a little bit of sound check at um, down the road, and that's about it. Oh, amazing. Well, Chris, really appreciate your time, man. So thanks so much. Amazing to hear right. about your journey and everything you've worked on and the studio side of it as well. So yeah, appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.